Blog Talk Radio. Hey, and welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Jim Ventura. Uh, welcome again, everybody, anybody uh, new listening, as well as uh, some of my familiar regulars who are always good to see. Welcome, uh, Turo1 and one love 555 I'll call you by your, your handle names. Anyway, if it's your first time tuning into the show, uh, I am uh, host Jim Ventura. I am an author and a columnist. Uh, I write a monthly column called Snake Oil that comes out once a month on the Internet. If you're not already receiving my column, please feel free to email me at VenturaSag or VenturaWords at Mac.com and VenturaSag is at Yahoo.com and get added to the uh, the monthly mailing list. Um, I'm also a, um, uh, a navigational consultant. My specialty is uh, tarot and astrology and numerology and rune stones and quite a few of the different oracles that I have mastered and worked with over the years. So I like to intertwine those tools when I work with people in, in either personal sessions here in my home office in Phoenix or by phone consultations that I do as well. Uh, my main goal with the show, of course, is uh, to really to kind of uh, enlighten and, and give some insight into all kinds of different areas. Uh, again, if it's your first time tuning in, our, our format is we're every Thursday uh, at 3.30, well, almost every Thursday occasionally, <laughs> I take a, a vacation, but uh, the most part every Thursday, and our format is the first Thursday of the month, I always read my my monthly column uh, live on air, and then uh, we'll talk a bit about that. Um, I will open up the phone lines a little bit later on uh, in the show, but I would like to talk about this uh, topic for a little bit before we necessarily do that, so it'll be a bit before I open the phone lines up. Uh, second show of the month is always our interview show, and uh, I've got a, an interesting guest next week, which I'll hopefully remember to mention a little later on. And the last two Thursdays of each month are really more devoted to my to my listeners, uh, giving an opportunity to ask personal questions or bring up and talk about subjects that are near and dear to their hearts personally, or you know in terms of what's going on in the world as well too, which I think is also somewhat important um, uh, for the most part. Anyway, so uh, yeah, I'd like to start off by reading my monthly column. Uh, some of you might have already. Uh, read it, and if not, then you can just sit back for a couple minutes, kind of listen, because again, I want to talk a little bit about this. This uh, particular column actually is not a new column. Uh, This is actually one of the pieces from my first book uh, that I self-published back in uh, 2006, 2007, uh, called Dirty Little Secrets. And uh, one of my my favorite pieces, I decided to run this piece. Um, uh, Some of my last few months have been uh, a little bit of heavier subjects. So I thought, you know, every once in a while, you got to go with something fun and a little bit lighter. And I thought, let me run a piece from the original book. So let me read this piece to you. And then, um, again, I'll talk a little bit about some of the subjects that kind of come up here. And then then we'll see if you guys have any uh, comments along the way. Feel free to comment in the chat room. I know a lot of you already do, and I I like that, by the way. So (laughs) don't, uh, unless, like I said, sometimes I can't get to answer it immediately, but I do, I enjoy your your comments uh, to me and to each other. So feel free. Okay, so this month's column, uh, Sam Damley Reunion. Uh, Every year my family gets together for a family reunion. All things considered, it is one of the cornerstones 
that makes the Ventura family a solid structure. We're democratic about it. Uh, instead, we rotate our destinations, and sometimes we accommodate the family members who live on the West Coast, and sometimes we have it on the East Coast. Either way, is an experience that, for the most part, I look forward to. We genuinely like each other and enjoy spending time together. Overall, we have a great time at our family reunions. There is certainly, without question, the potential for explosive drama. Throw a large family together, along with a few unresolved childhood issues and some strong egos, and watch the games begin. You can look at it as an accident waiting to happen or as a chance for happiness and a good time. No matter what, it's likely to be discussed for months afterwards. Strangely and appropriately, this keeps the connection between us alive. Rehashing old issues can be seen as repetitive and unnecessary or as a chance to clear old patterns once and for all. No matter what, it is always an unforgettable experience. There are built-in flaws to my perfect family. I'm a single gay man. Throughout my life, I have remained the apple of mom's eye. I explain this as arrogantly and obnoxiously as possible by my belief that I'm the cutest of mom's seven children. This drives my sisters and brothers nuts. Needless to say, I'm not without my dysfunction. But I like to see it as playful sarcasm with a hint of truth. Only two of my four sisters have any children, and all of my brothers are childless as well. My Catholic mother will always wonder why seven children could only reproduce a total of four offspring. I can safely bet this will drive her crazy until her last moment alive on the physical plane. Maybe we are punishing her at some level. More likely, we simply made different choices. These gatherings are usually like a pressure cooker. Many of us make verbal bets on where the problems are likely to spring up. Usually I'm good at calling it, but occasionally one of us comes up as a dark horse and surprises everybody. Can dysfunction ever be perfectly predicted? Will it be mom getting pissed off because we skipped church on Sunday? Will my sister feel we are not paying enough attention to her children? Will my brother do something rude and inexcusable? Will a sister or brother-in-law be the one to cause havoc? Place your bets, everyone. There's a winner every time. One thing you can count on in our German-Italian family is lots of eating. Life in my family has always been centered on food and shared meals. I always gain a pound or two during my family reunions. For many years, we pigged out on buffets. Sixteen people talking nonstop around a large table. Frequent trips and piles of food later. I begin to wonder. If this was just a great family experience where we were all adults turned into children, filling unresolved emotional hungers with food substitutes. The endless meals finished with coffee and cake are very enjoyable. I look forward to these experiences, yet my body isn't used to eating this way anymore. The bathrooms in those restaurants that foolishly volunteer to host some of these endless meals, to put it delicately, really get abused. If the toilet was a living being, it would be a candidate for sainthood. Our last family reunion revolved around my niece's high school graduation. Her father left my sister after 12 years of marriage, and the wounds of his departure have never been fully healed. My niece felt an understandable animosity toward her father, and we wondered if he would show up at her graduation ceremony. I was surprised to see him there and hoped that one day he and his family would be able to come to some resolution. He sat with his mother and sister a few rows behind my family. I hadn't seen him in years and was impressed that he showed up at all. 
All 16 Venturas sat a few rows in front of him, whistling and making noise when my niece was called to pick up her diploma. She showed the usual teenage discomfort at her loud display of affection and pride, but I knew deep inside she was thrilled by her antics. Her father and the tiny fragment of his family observed it all. I remember my sister once telling me that her ex-husband had gone on and on about my move to Arizona years ago. He extolled the virtues of sticking by one's family. He told my sister that it was unthinkable that I could leave mine behind. Two of my other siblings also moved west a few years after I did. I'm certain he had commented about that, too. My sister told me that while they were married, he often made his family the first priority, and my sister, niece, and nephew are still damaged by his choice. To him, parents and siblings were everything. Now we sat looking, uncomfortable with his mother and one of his sisters witnessing how the Venturas prioritized family. We were so terrible in his eyes because some of us had moved away, yet we had traveled from all over the country to be here for this important event. Our niece, his daughter, meant that much to us. I wondered if this had occurred to him and if he saw the sad irony of the situation. My guess is no. I don't think he had the awareness to recognize one of life's important lessons. When you marry, for your marriage to thrive, your spouse and children must become your priority. Throughout all the chaos, all the bitching and complaining, melodrama and craziness, there is really something good in our family reunions. We are lucky people, all of us. We have two parents who love us dearly. Mom and Dad have been happily married for 50 years. Most of my friends barely have one decent parent, yet we were blessed with two. Through all the theatrics, the endless laughter, and the inevitable dramas and hurt feelings, we still have our family reunions. The benefits outweigh any of the drawbacks. I worked through past hurts and unresolved experiences and gained more awareness about who Jim Ventura is. I become more conscious of potential weaknesses and find myself making better choices afterwards. I become more understanding of other people's points of view and less inclined to challenge or want to change them. I become more accepting of myself, my family, my friends, and everyone else I encounter. My family reunions remind me that deep down everyone is really good at a core level and also a little bit nuts. When I was still living in New York and spent nearly every Sunday with my family, the emotional family dramas were an accepted part of my life. Moving away and starting a new life of my own helped me to grow up and separate from many of my unresolved family issues. I now see them as humorous. Now the once or twice a year get-together is something I look forward to attending, not as an obligation that I secretly resent. Most of my family reunions have spent playfully recounting stories about our childhood and laughing about how bizarre it all really was. We genuinely have a great time, and rarely does anyone get killed. We have a tremendous amount of love of each other, and for this I am gratefully blessed. I am glad when my family reunions are over, yet also look forward after a short time to the next one. As much as we all bitch about them, they are well worth the trip. Okay. So there's the piece that I wrote. Uh, let me take off my four eyes here, too, in order to read this. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, interesting, you know, I actually wrote this back in um, in uh, in 2002, July of 2002. In fact, I remember being at a family reunion in the Carolinas, which is where my mom lives now, and um, writing this particular piece, and even before I had edited it, um, I, you know, I read it to a couple, I let a couple of my siblings read it, and they laughed quite a bit, even though I thought they got uh, a little nervous at, <laughs> at some levels. That's the joke of, of being a writer. Um, uh, we, we, we can jokingly call it the power of the pen. 
in that sense. But, uh, you know, it's funny because now looking back on this, this is like, again, I mean, nine years ago I actually wrote this piece, so uh, quite some time ago. Uh, you know, we still have these family reunions in my large family. Um, we, we're maybe not as regular about it, um, but we still do them. Uh, my dad actually p- physically passed almost three years ago, so my dad, of course, is not uh, there in the physical at our reunions, and one of my brothers actually married, remarried, and to a woman a little bit younger than him, and had a baby. So there's another added child in the family as well, too, who very interestingly was born a few months before my dad passed, and looks like a little miniature version out of, a little miniature version of my father. So all all very interesting from a metaphysical perspective as well, too. Uh, I think that uh, one of the things that that is so significant uh, about this piece, and again, it's largely a humorous piece, but um, one of the reasons I really felt it was important to write it is, you know, the influences of our family are really, really, really important. Uh, you know, I really, I can't stress that enough in that sense that family rooting really, really does affect us. You know, hopefully, if we had some good family experiences, that can really, really help us. Um, to live a good life and, and to make more positive choices. If we've had bad ones, uh, you know, that will, will affect us uh, without question. I mean, I think that the thing that's important is, you know, it's always interesting to me because some people come out of these horrific family structures and situations and become amazing people. Like they'll they'll override, they'll kind of, they'll take all the, the difficult stuff that they went through and they'll turn it around and and live happy lives and good lives and, and even sometimes start their own families and absolutely learn from the wrong and, and turn it into a right in that sense. And that's awesome, by the way, uh, and certainly doable if people are willing to kind of do the work and to look at all of those things. Uh, by the same token, you know, some people, you know, don't overcome these things. Sometimes the damage is, is really, really deep, and, um, you know, it, it can take a lot more to really, really move through that kind of stuff. But, you know, one of the things I always tell clients is it's funny because for most people, often first marriages, and when I use the word marriages, this is for everyone who's um, heterosexual or gay in that sense. You know, I'm talking about long-term relationship, you know, love, all of that. A lot of people, first marriages, is you kind of marry the, the parent that was the most dysfunctional of parents. It's an unfortunate reality. So, we, we, you know, if you've got one functional parent, one semi- or unfunctional parent, you'll often marry the parent that's a little bit more cuckoo bird in that sense early on. Uh, and I, what I mean by marrying the parent is, you know, whether it's a male or female, whatever your structure is, you're likely to sort of unconsciously choose someone with similar characteristics because the child inside wants to still heal the dysfunctional mom or dad in that sense. So that's a pretty normal pattern. Some people bypass it. Um, you know, I married, my mother was a little bit more, I would say, the somewhat dysfunctional character in our family. So I, I jokingly say I, I married a number of my mothers in the form of um, uh, cold males um, uh, a, a few times in my early, in my early, uh, in my early relationships. Uh, so it, that's kind of a normal thing. It's going to be one of the reasons why rooting is so important to look at it and, and really, really to understand it. So, uh, again, no matter what your sexual orientation is or whether you marry or not in that sense. Uh, so, again, uh, very, very significant to look at, at these things because I think, 
you know, a lot of times people are, you know, it's funny, uh, some people remember their childhoods in tremendous detail, and some people just have, almost have blotted out a lot of it in that sense. Um, I, I actually remember a lot of it in detail. I think it's because the way I'm wired, I'm a scholar, so my mind tends to record things in a way. So I actually have a really, really good memory in that sense. Uh, so I'm, I guess I'm, I'm kind of pretty lucky that way, or maybe unlucky, uh, depending on how you look at it. But I actually have to say, really for the most part, my childhood was a good one because I had two parents that were together. Um, you know, they, they really did love each other. I mean, they would have their fights and their arguments, but they always sort of stuck by each other no matter what. You could never put a wedge between my parents. Um, if you wanted something and you asked mom and she said no, and then you went to dad and asked him the same thing separately, my father would always say something like, oh, what did your, what did your mother say? And always be like, damn it, you know, I mean, ugh. he wouldn't, he would never bypass my mother and vice versa. So I always thought that was very interesting. I hated it as a child, but as an adult, I absolutely began to, uh, to really see the value in that type of sticking together. I made a comment about that in this piece as well, too. Um, if you choose the right mate in that sense, yeah, you know, you do to some extent have to let go of your other family and I, I don't mean, um, you know, that you don't see them or you don't participate. It's just an order of pecking order of priority in that sense. And uh, I've talked about that a lot with, with clients um, because then this can kind of mess up our flow in that sense. But, yes, family is absolutely a, you know, a, a pronounced influence in, uh, for, for all of us in that sense. So I think it's something really, really significant to look at. Um, you know, it's funny because I wrote this piece, and I can see now most of my, I'm in my 40s, and most of my siblings are in their 40s, and even some of them, my older siblings are in their 50s, and um, definitely a much mellower scenario there. There's rarely any blow-ups or difficulties at uh, these family reunions uh, anymore in that sense, uh, because I think we've grown up and we've matured somewhat. And there's still a little bit of theatrics on occasion, but really, really toned down. And I always jokingly think it might be because uh, they're afraid I'm going to write about it. So I, <laughs> I really, I really encourage people to develop this particular skill if you have an interest in it. Uh, so uh, let's see. I want to, I want to, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I see there's a lot of conversation going on in the chat room, so I want to comments on some of these things as well too again welcome everybody hello courtney bibb energy one another guest one love and tarot one ho everybody uh that are, is uh, joining us in the chat room if you're listening live by the way you absolutely can jump in in the chat room as well too um and i think that's very significant so so welcome everyone and i appreciate all the comments here you know i want to comment on something i see being written here i want to talk about a, a sedona um that courtney uh, is talking about uh, sedona as well i want to talk about that but um so uh yes hello energy one and uh, i also want to talk about what Tarowan is talking about cuz he's also a gay man and you know I, there's a there's a uh, there's an element of um of uh, you know familiarity. Actually, one of the pieces I wrote about in my first book, "Dirty Little Secrets," um, is uh, really about that coming out process. In fact, I, I wrote a piece called "Another Queen Singing I'm Coming Out," and uh, it was kind of again kind of a humorous piece. Uh, and uh, I wrote about that. For me, it was a very very 
uh, not very dramatic uh, experience when I uh, I went through it. I mean, it was it was so tame. No one really seemed to care that much. Although I didn't actually really come out really sort of publicly to all of my family and friends until my late twenties, about thirty or so. So I kind of waited a little while. In fact, I think that was part of a contribution of why I left it about twenty-four to Arizona. I also um, uh, I also feel like again I think I wanted to move somewhere else in order to come to terms with some of those things. But it really was a very easy process. And my family certainly has given up on the idea that I'm ever going to have children. Um, and I, and same thing, Tara. When you mentioned this, that you you know absolutely a gay person, male or female, can absolutely have children in this day and age. None of that really is as much an issue as people would think. But I think the truth of it is, you know, gay people are, are not that unlike heterosexual people. Um, and there are heterosexual people that just really have no interest in having children. It's not really their thing. And there are gay people that also feel the same way, and probably maybe even a little more so with gay people and, and uh, in that sense. Um, uh, because, again, it's not that they can't. There are certainly gay men and gay women who are just absolutely made for having children. And I think the same thing of heterosexual or bisexual people. Some people really are wired for it. Um, I know I'm not. Um, I tend to, you know, I tend to turn my cat or dog into kind of my little stalker child. That's my, my joke that I always say. If I were to commit um, to uh, to having a child, I absolutely would, would really get into it, I think, in that sense, and, and really attempting to do a good job. I think that's the nature of how I operate and everything in that sense. But I'm a very creative person, and um, I tend to... Every time I birth a new book or a new column or, or anything in those terms, I feel like that's my child. You know what I mean in that sense? So I think there's a similar type of an energy there in that sense to look at. So uh, certainly, uh, you know, again, this is the beauty of the variety that's available to us as human beings on the physical plane in that sense. Uh, so, uh, you know, originally the Sedona thing I wanted to mention was originally when I moved to Arizona 20 years ago, my original plan was to uh, move to Sedona. I moved to uh, Phoenix with the plan that I would eventually get up to Sedona, be able to visit it, and eventually move up there. And I love Sedona, but I actually found that I, I really liked Phoenix uh, better when it came down to it. Uh, not that Sedona isn't beautiful, but it was a lot more expensive and a bit more isolated. And I know for me, like I really, really enjoy having the ability to be close to an airport because I like to travel a lot. So, you know, Sedona, you got another two, two-and-a-half-hour drive just to drive down to an airport or, you know, a major airport to fly out. And, again, now I live, like, you know, seven minutes from Sky Harbor Airport, eight minutes in Phoenix. So, uh, you know, exactly, Energy One writes that that's everyone's plan, Jim. So, But the beauty is, you know, you can drive up to Sedona in, like, two hours, a little over two hours from here, and you can get up to Flagstaff in about three, and you can get to Vegas in about four hours and 15 minutes, San Diego in a little over five and a half. Phoenix is in a nice location in those terms um, to uh, to get to. And Sedona is awesome. I mean, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of uh, mountain area here that you can go up to, especially when it's, um, when it's hot as hell here, which is uh, basically July, August, and September. Don't come to Phoenix in July, August, and September. To visit, save yourself the agony. <laughs> Trust me, guys. You could come almost any time of year, and it's gorgeous. The summer, ugh, I leave as much as possible. I'm trying to create a snowbird existence, so to speak. 
Okay. Now let's see. I want to answer some of these questions. Energy One, can I ask a question? How did my ex-mother-in-law feel about me? Um, you know what? I, just purely what I'm getting from this, I want to answer this, and I see there's a phone call. Or there's a caller here too, so I'm gonna I'm gonna answer that after I answer this. Okay. Um, you know what? I I think that you ask about how your ex-mother-in-law felt about me. I want to say. Um, uh, kind of, I get kind of a mixed feeling about that in that sense. At some level, I don't feel it was out and out, um, uh, uh, you know, dislike or anything like that. I feel like it was somewhat neutral. Um, it may have been, again, because um, you were not what she necessarily had scripted in in that sense. Um, so I'm feeling like it was kind of a little bit of a mixed bag in that sense. I almost feel like you might have dealt with some, um, maybe some. I don't want to say backhanded remarks or things in general that didn't really feel like necessarily always a clear signal in that sense. I know uh, for me as well, too, there have been times when I've dated someone and uh, that person's mother you know, either loved me or hated me. I've never found kind of a middle ground in that sense. Most of the time they seem to like me. That's because I can be very charming as a Sagittarius when I want to be. Um, well, I've actually had a couple of times when I've dealt with a couple of, I use the word mother-in-laws, who were um, a little uh, evil about the situation uh, with me in that sense. I think it was because I was taking their child away in their mind in that sense. And the other thing is I think also because I can be very charming, but I'm also Sagittarius, so I tend to have a bit of a big mouth in that sense. Sometimes I I can't, when I see bullshit, I kind of have to say it in that sense. I, I've learned to curb it a little bit <laughs> in that respect. So uh, answering the question back to, uh, yeah, it's all right, Energy One. Uh, you know, what I got when you asked the question was I feel like it was a little bit of a mixed bag from your, your ex-mother-in-law um, that uh, she was, um, I don't want to say out and out necessarily hostile in that sense, but I feel like there was kind of a back and forth kind of confused energy with it in that sense. Um, I don't want to say that I don't feel like she didn't like you, but I don't feel like she necessarily um, was in love with you either in that sense. I feel like there was an issue with what she had scripted for her um, uh, for her son uh, uh, as well, um, you know, that you didn't fit the script in her mind in that sense. So that's what I'm kind of getting about this. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Let me get to my caller here because we're, we're – uh, 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 we're, we're kind of, uh, a little lower on time. We still got some time for the show, so we're okay. Okay, Courtney, Bib, uh, thank you for your comments as well. Too wish I could have got to all of them. I know you got to run. Yes, I will. I'll, I'll attempt to check out your show as well too. Um, uh, the next time I'm free on a uh, Friday. It sounds good, actually. Uh, excellent. Um, then next time I get up to Sedona on top, it even better. Uh, but yeah, that's what I'm kind of getting. Energy one. I just feel like, like I said, there was, there might have been some some backhanded remarks or feeling of saying one thing and and meaning another. It's funny because when you when you ask the question, my mom popped into my head, and I just know how my mother was too. Uh, that she was um, very kind of. She'd say one thing, and she'd have that look in her eyes sometimes, like she was irritated. You know, so I think that's what you were you were dealing with as well too. I, I I tend to get things intuitively, like in images that I can recognize as collectives. I do this a lot when I work with clients personally as well too. I'll tell them a story about something that happened to me, and it's like, how do you how did you um 
how did you know that? I mean, that's so similar. And I'm like, yeah, that's how my mind works. I, it's almost like a subjective thing that happens. I'll pick up something that's familiar to me that's similar to what you've gone through, and that seems to help people. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I felt like you were, you were dealing with. Um, side note here for Courtney. Um, and anyway, any of you guys, you know, some of you are writers, you have different shows yourself, absolutely feel free anytime you are in my chat room to mention to other people what you have going on. Uh, I have no issue with, with multitask marketing, guys, so um, absolutely I think you all can help each other and vice uh, versa. So absolutely, I'm going to get to my phone call here now in a minute. Um, but yeah, to finish this off with Energy One, absolutely. Yeah, that you know, it, it really can be tough to completely capture a mother-in-law or even some cases with a father-in-law. Again, because there's always a part of them that I think, especially when it comes to their boys, that, you know, that you're taking them away at some level or they had sort of a written script about what you were going to be and and all of that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, it, it's really, really common. Um, if you get a complete clean slate with someone when you marry or partner with a parent, you, that's amazing. You know, <laughs> it's not really, like I said, it's not always the case. Uh, and more often it kind of isn't in that sense. That's why we have to realize, like I said, you got to kind of let a lot of that flow through you in that sense because more often that's not really actually about you. Um, you know what I mean? It's more about um, their expectancies and their own discomfort with it as well, too. Um, <laughs> so Energy One, right? She doesn't know that her son is not absolutely, which is probably a big part of the reason why you got the hell out uh, <laughs> as well, too. Uh, so uh, yeah, and, and again, absolutely. If, if she if she doesn't know that her son is a nut, she won't see that, or you know, or she'll protect that energetically as well too. So, all right, let me get to this phone call here too. Uh, so this poor human being that's been waiting for a little while. Okay, I'm gonna talk for about five minutes with my caller here. Let's see if I can get you on air. Six two six, you are on air at uh, Snake Oil Radio. Are you there? Hi, how are you? Yes, I am, Jim. Thanks for Good. taking my call. Good. I had um, two questions, if I may ask. Sure. What's your name? I'm Tracy. Tracy, okay. You've called before, right, Tracy? Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, familiar. Okay. I have a, my first question is, I have a job interview on Monday, and I was wondering what you felt around it. Did you feel me getting the job, Did, or... Okay, so that's the first question of the job interview. Let me see what I can pick up on that. I'm going to – I have these little color cube things that I use in that sense, which are fun to work with. Oh, that's – oh, and they kind of – you know, it's kind of like an unconscious response when I pull, pull a color cube. It's one of the reasons I like them. They usually could have cut right to the chase. came up brown. Um, that's a good sign. Uh, that means uh, – that usually means a yes. Uh, a practical decision around money, finances, work, and career in that sense. That seems favorable. So I'm leaning about 85% toward yes. Uh, this feels uh, this feels right. I think you can go in with a fair amount of confidence here. So how are you feeling about it? I feel good. Like today I went to the written exam and I passed. And um, they said only, like, you know, the people that passed, which was not too many, but, you know, still like a good handful they had interviews, and it's working with children, and so it's something that I desire to do. So I was hoping yeah, I, that. Yeah, I like it. Uh, honestly, mm -hmm. it feels good. And, and I, I'll let just let you know, guys. Like I, I tend to be 
brutally honest. If I don't think something's going to work, I'm going to tell you that too. But in this case, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feeling yes. So awesome. pretty strongly. Yeah. Awesome. Can I ask my second question now? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you feel that, um, do you see that, like, me and my boyfriend will work out this issue he has and moving forward, or do you see, like, a breakup for us? You know what I get about that? See, that's coming through really, really strongly in that sense. They want me to pull an angel card here. So here's what I'm kind of getting. I feel like I'm hearing um, – hold on one second. Let me get my little backup validation here in that sense. No problem. Um, okay, here's what that, – uh, that's my little validation here. Here's what I'm getting. I feel like this issue that you're talking about is going to take some time to resolve. Now, at the same, but I feel like it can be. So that's kind of the good news in that sense. I feel like there's a resolution. I feel like what I'm hearing is you're supposed to go forward with this anyway, even though it isn't really as ironed out as you might like it to be, because I keep feeling like the urge to be together and to have a connective is, is strong with both of you, but there's a fear on both of your parts as well, too, about whether this particular thing might be the... Um, you know, the the kiss of death in that mm-hmm. sense for the relationship. I don't feel like it is, though. So I feel okay. like um, it's going to take a little longer to work this out. So what I'm hearing is it's kind of a mixed message but mostly positive that you're to go forward anyway, but you, you're not to let the issue die and be buried. Mm-hmm. It's more the need to continue to dialogue and talk about this and see whether you could work out a, a creative solution to the situation, because I feel like there really is a genuine pull here of mm-hmm, of intimacy mm-hmm. that exists. So yeah. I'm getting a lot of validation on that. They're saying, you know, even though there's times when you might want to smack them and vice versa, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, I still feel like you really care, like it would be harder if he was not in the picture. So mm-hmm. I, the joke I keep hearing is, like, how could you get away from each other at this yeah. point in the game? But it's so complicated mm-hmm. because there are these blocks along the way that seemed to be um, very difficult to resolve. So I pulled an angel card on it, and the card, the angel card said to go for it, to keep okay. going forward anyway in that sense. So they're giving you validation that it won't be wrong. You know, part of this is you're absolutely right in, in the need to understand that you really want to clear up old business and, and negative patterns and things before you go forward. But I also mm-hmm. feel like you have to be careful that you're not endlessly waiting for the perfect time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in that sense, you know, because that's almost blocking, too, um, yes. in that respect. So I feel like, you know, I feel like there is really is a pull here between souls to work through this, because I feel like if you were to break it off or vice versa, you would be more uncomfortable and feel like you didn't work find a way to work it out in that yeah. sense. So I feel like there's a willingness but I do absolutely agree that it's some it, 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 it's some difficult territory here to move through still. Yes, in do that you sense, feel because it's something that he has. Out. Yeah, it's something that he has to figure out. And do you yeah. feel like how long it will take for it to be a little smooth smoothed out? Where you know what I feel like. I want to say within the next. I would say within even the next two months, there's going mm-hmm. to be at least a healthy resolution or recognition where it's more clearly on the table. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he he knows he needs to find a way to deal with this, and you'll you'll hear that. So I like that. Although I really I don't I I don't feel like it's fully resolved 
for probably another year or so, but at least it feels like there's a solution in the works mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's coming into play. That's why I feel like um, you'll still get together and it might be wise to, you know, I mean, are you are you thinking in the extreme end of marrying here? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I keep saying that. Okay, so yeah, that you can, but then, you know, you could be engaged. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and are, yeah. are you already engaged? No, not yet. Yeah, because that's coming. And then you could work toward it that way and then kind of make sure that things get more clearly resolved before you feel more secure with it. But I am getting, yeah, you're supposed to go forward with this. The problem is very real, but um, I feel like it's not an overnight solution, but there is one at the same time. And it's kind of a very real thing, but also it does mask... Um, some some intimacy fears on both of your parts. Yeah, I feel so. We're both cancer, so we both like think alike. But it was just something that he kept from me in the beginning that I yeah. discovered later, and I'm like, oh, thanks for telling me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you couldn't wait a little longer on that. You know what I'm going to really, really suggest is a really kick-ass book, and everybody who's um, listening and uh, and in the chat room as well too. I, I, you know what? I don't. I'm not really that big a, a fanatic about recommending specific books. But when I do, I put a lot of energy behind it. There's a really great book called uh, Radical Forgiveness that was written about six years ago by a man named Colin Tipping. See if you can get this book. I know it's still on um, uh, Amazon. A lot of times you can find it in used bookstores because it's a couple years old. Not an expensive book. Get the book Radical Forgiveness. What's that? By Tom, you said? Uh it's by uh his name is Colin. I know I talk fast sometimes, that's a New Yorker me. His name is Colin mm-hmm. Tipping. Last name okay. is spelled T I P P I N G like you would a waiter tipping. Okay, I got it, yes. Awesome. First name Colin, C O L L I N. He's English. Trust me. Because what you'll yeah, absolutely we've one's got it in the in the chat room as well, too. Radical forgiveness. Amazing. Because it, when you read this book, there's kind of like a worksheet to do. It's a very inexpensive way to move through a difficulty. But what you'll find is a lot, of, almost all the time when we have these like trauma incidents, someone lying to us or hiding something from us, or there's something from our past that was um, something from our childhood that we replayed with different characters in a different way. So what the book does is it gives you a formula for forgiving the current person who pissed you off, and then that mm-hmm. almost just takes us back into forgiving the original culprit. And then what it does is it, it wipes the pattern out. Okay. So can't recommend this enough, guys. Really awesome. And that's why I feel like we'll help you move this through, and it'll make it move through faster. Because, again, there's still a wound as a part of you that doesn't completely trust him. Yeah. To, to and, you know, point, but he was shielding because he was afraid. You know what I mean? There were, you know, he had his own reasons, even though they were sort of dumbass reasons. But, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He had, he had his reasons for it in that sense. So, mm-hmm. um Okay, that's what I'm going to suggest. So check that out. But yeah, that, I, I'm still they're still saying go forward, but just okay. make sure that he is still on it. You know. Totally, I'm going to definitely read the book. Do you feel when he's going to be ready to talk about it? Do you feel like when he's going to give me a buzz and you yeah, know, cause I, he knows. again, like I said, really very realistically within I want to say within within two months. It might be a little bit sooner, but they're showing a to, window to of give that me a call up, next like, to talk to call me. Or yeah. to like to solve it, so I won't hear yeah. from him for two months. You're well, saying? I think you will, but I think it's still going to be that 
he may be dodging that subject. It's in the back of oh. his psyche. Um, yeah. But yeah, I feel within two months. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Awesome. Good talking to you again. And, bye uh, bye. Right, thank I'm you. Likewise. Have a great night. Thank you. All right. Thank you for that call. Uh, I've still got about five more minutes of the show, so I'm not going to be able to take any other calls. Uh, this this show, the first show, again, because I focus a little more on the column, we don't have as much time for phone calls, but know that the last two shows of the month, we have more time to to take in uh, callers. So let's uh, let's kind of finish up our discussion here, too. Again, thank you, Tracy, for calling in about that. And uh, thank you, uh, Energy One, for your comment as well, too. And welcome, Amethyst72. And... Uh, uh, you've been talking about that you just planted a rose bush. You know, it's funny because in the in, uh, interesting point about roses in the first book that I in this book that I, I'm commenting from with my with my column this uh, this month, my first published book. I'm actually getting ready to publish my second book um, within probably about two or three months. Snake Oil Volume One will finally be available. I'm actually done with it. I just got to do a couple other pieces of little things that the bibliography, a few other things too, but. When I wrote um, uh, Dirty Little Secrets, um, there's a piece in there called uh, Statues That Cry. And I wrote about having growing up Catholic, and while I, I, I definitely don't follow Catholicism or specific religion now, I talked about how um, in, uh, that there were benefits to growing up Catholic, actually. And one of those things was we were taught about saints and angels and things of that nature. And we were taught that if you pray to St. Teresa, they called her the little flower, if you your wish was going to be granted or she was going to intercede, you would smell roses and you would um and you or you know you get roses would bloom or someone would send you a rose, you'd get a card with a rose on it, or you'd smell roses in the house or something like that. And in November in the winter in, in when I lived in New York, there was a time when there was a rose bush outside my window and during the beginning of winter it was blooming. And I remember when I was about thirteen I asked my mom, I said, you know, how is it that the, our rose bushes uh, are, are blooming? And my mother said that's because I asked St. Teresa for uh, a favor. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, as odd as my mother was, it was these weird little metaphysical moments that I had as a child that would pop up, you know what I mean? I saw angels and I saw ghosts and I saw things like that. So I thought it was really, really normal. So that's my cool little memory about um, about roses. Uh so Energy One ask a quick question. Let me answer this because I'm going to have to sign off. Um, uh, what's your best intuitive ability? Uh, your your intuitive ability? I actually get something about what you hear is what they're saying also, what you hear. So I feel like that's something you can tune into more. Um, Spirit's saying to, to clean the chakras um, in that area and, and tune in more because I feel like you literally can hear um, and that's something that uh, there's a word for that because I'm being totally dumb and it's not coming to me. Uh, by the way, Amethyst 72, I have to get on her website. Makes amazing potions and all kinds of um, uh, all kinds of uh, bath oils and various things. She has a website. You should pop that up for everybody. Amethyst 72. Uh, I'm going to order from that soon myself as well too. So guys, can't answer any more questions. The show's coming to an end, so you're going to have to get with me. Uh, the next time, next show is going to be an interview show. Uh, so I, I will ha- have the questions focused on my very interesting guest, 
who will uh, be on for our next show, uh, and she's talking about tantric practices. So, and then the two shows that follow for the month will be uh, more of an opportunity to ask questions and to um, and to take calls. So, okay, it looks like we're we're getting ready to wind down here. Just a 45-minute show. Uh, I want to thank everybody for um, for tuning in today. Always good to see my my soon. I hate to call you regulars because then you'll. Uh, I sometimes get irritated when people do that. Me. Mm-hmm. Their audience, that's the word. Thank you. Um, uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, you know, I, I hate to use the word regulars because I always feel that about going to church. If I go to church, people are like, how come you weren't here the last two weeks? I'm like, so you won't get in trouble if you're not here for one of my shows, guys. Anyway, uh, great having everybody here. We'll be on again uh, next week. If you're not already getting my monthly column, email me at VenturaSag at Yahoo.com or VenturaWords at Mac.com. The column's free. It's blind copied, so no one will ever get your uh, your mailing info from me. I'm very protective of such things. And if you haven't already checked out my book, you can order that through the website or call me directly to purchase it. Also available on Amazon.com. It's called uh, Dirty Little Secrets by Jim Ventura. I also have available an audio version as well, too. Um, okay. Great. Uh, thank you again, everybody. Looks like we're getting ready to wind off. So uh, awesome. Uh, have a great Thursday, and we'll hopefully see all of you next time. Cheers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.